This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Angel Baker Guillen. And I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. This evening, Loida Maritza Perez and Lauren Mills Pohanen from Afromundo speak about the first annual Afromundo Festival Shared Roots. Shared Roots is a week-long series of bilingual presentations showcasing the shared histories, cultures, and traditions of Afro peoples throughout the Americas. It will take place in various locations from April 16th through the 23rd. We also share our vaccine equity segment, an important announcement, and amazing music from Afro peoples all over the world. That's right, starting with La Cantante y Compositora Oaxaqueña Alejandra Robles with her song Afro Mexico Si, in collaboration with Afrocenso Mexico. Vivimos en un afromundo. El continente americano tiene deudas culturales con el continente africano desde hace siglos. Personas africanas fueron trasladadas a las Américas bajo los procesos de conquista y esclavitud. This evening, we speak with Loida Maritza Pérez, founder and executive director of the organization Afromundo, and 18-year-old artist Lauren Mills Bohannon, a member of Afromundo. Now my co-host Barbara Ramirez speaks with Loida Maritza Perez and Lauren Mills Bohanen about Afromundo and their upcoming festivals, Share Roots. This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice and I'm speaking with Afromundo's founder and executive director, Loida Maritza Perez and 18-year-old artist Lauren Mills Bohanen, a member of Afromundo. Loida Maritza Perez, a proud Dominican, is an independent scholar, cultural activist, and author of the magnificent novel, Geographies of Home, published in 1999. Maritza Perez offers a penetrating portrait of the American immigrant experience on her novel. Her upcoming book, Beyond the Pale, won a Pan America 2019 Jean Skying Grant for Literary Oral History. Lauren Mills Bohannon is a high school senior with a deep passion for all things art. Starting at the age of four, Lauren has never stopped expanding and refining her skill, working with traditional and digital mediums and dabbling in pottery, sculpting, and metalworking. Lauren is the creator of Afromundo's logo. Maritza and Lauren, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you so much, Barbara, for having us here. Yeah, thank you. Please tell us more about yourselves. And let's start with you, Lauren. Yeah, sure. As you said, um, my name's Lauren Mills Bohannon. I'm a senior in high school. I just turned 18, so I'm kind of grappling with the fact that I'm an adult now. And I've known uh, Tia Muritza for my entire life, um, basically. I don't remember ever not knowing you. Uh, and she's always been there to support you. So when she reached out to me about 
designing a logo for Afro Mundo, which feels like so long ago. It was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was just instantly kind of transfixed with this idea of like this festival that would bring people together because that's really what art is about for me. And that's why I love it so much. Thank you, Lauren. Maritza? I'm a dog mama of a two-year-old who's 60 pounds and um, caused me to sprain my ankle today because he booby traps the, the backyard with by digging <laughs> and I tripped into one of them today. Um, I have uh, a compañero who's a community activist, Chuy Martinez. Most of the community knows him and have believed for a long time that he was single because I'm a recluse and I usually stay in the shadows. <laughs> but I decided to come out for Afromundo just because the bringing community together and to have certain dialogues was really important. So I decided to forego my, my reclusive ways for a little while. Thank you so much, Maritza and Lauren for sharing more about yourselves. Maritza, how did you find yourself here in Nuevo Mexico? I'm curious. Ah, yeah, good question. <laughs> um, when uh, Geographies of Home, my novel was first published, I was on tour for about a month. Meaning when you're on tour for that long, I have no idea where I was. It's just like back to back cities and states. And I remember coming to New Mexico uh, and I was only here for one day. And New Yorker that I was, it was like, oh, New Mexico, it's beautiful, it's complex. It's also, I might possibly be able to survive as an artist here. I didn't it, it consider, I, it was one of the poorest states. And coming from New York where everything is so expensive, I thought, oh, that was the original mistaken idea for, for moving here. But the reason I stayed is because it is a very complex state. And interestingly enough, its history is so linked in and reminds me so much of the Dominican Republic and of the Caribbean in terms of historically indigenous colonial, you know, indigenous people, colonialism, et cetera. There's a complexity of history here that is as alive and palpable as it is in the Caribbean. And so it was conducive to my writing to be here. And I have a garden, which I could never have in New York City. <laughs> That's so amazing that you ended up here in New Mexico and, and so interesting. I'm not from New Mexico, but what you said really resonated with me, especially the history. As a Dominican, why is this so important to have an Afro-Mundo festival at this moment of time? For multiple reasons. Um, as a Dominican, coming from the Dominican Republic where colonialism essentially started, slavery essentially started, um, genocide essentially started, um, and most of the conquistadores that we know of, like familiar names, and I'm gonna mention a few, Hernán Cortés, Francisco Pizarro, Diego Velázquez, Alonso de Ojeda, they all started in the Dominican Republic. 
And I bring that up not as a bragging rights, but to show how related history is in the Americas because all those conquistadores started in Quisqueya, which is Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and went from there to Mexico, to Venezuela, to, to the rest of the Americas because sometimes the history of the Americas is seen as distinct or separate from that of the Caribbean. And I want to say, no, it is directly linked. Also because there is a propensity to deny history, certain aspects of history in Latin America or to keep it in the shadows in terms of slavery. Uh, for example, one of the first things that I like to point out is that two thirds of the 12 million slaves that came to the Americas, two thirds of them went to Spanish speaking America. And I say that because it's kind of a little well kept secret where most people think of slavery as having happened in the, in the United States. And I want to say no, it happened throughout the Americas for multiple reasons so that African-Americans know that they have community throughout, Amer throughout the Americas, that for, um, for it to be understood generally that language is not a race, that language is simply a language. Um, and I was speaking about this this past weekend with somebody else because they were talking about Mexicans. And I said, you know, Mexicans is not a race, just like Americans are not a race. It's a nation. And within that nation, there are multiple cultural groups and races. And it's important to have a dialogue about this because um, when people think of Latino, they do not think of people who look like me. You know, and, and there is a dialogue about mestizaje, but frankly, whenever mestizaje is used, it's to say, see, we, 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 we're all one thing. It's kind of like the melting pot, the American melting pot, which that notion has been discarded because melting means that um, certain people melt and try to become like others and don't retain their their cultural heritage, et cetera. And it's a false notion of who we are. And the same thing um, in the Americas that we have to understand that we can be yellow, red, black, white, um, that our cultures are diverse, but also to have a language about the more than 350 years of slavery that existed in Spanish America and on which wealth was built. And that Spanish America, the first transatlantic slave, slave voyage landed in Quisqueya. And the very last one landed in Cuba. Um, that slavery in Brazil wasn't abolished till 1888. Um, and also that shouldn't be surprised or have to ask me, where did you speak Spanish? Because it should be taken for granted that I speak Spanish, meaning that nobody asks African-Americans, where did they learn English? Because by asking, where did you learn English? It's assuming that they must be other and elsewhere. 
And there has been an investment in Latin America and in the Caribbean of, of saying, where did I speak Spanish? Because I don't represent what it is to be Latino. And I want to say, yes, I do represent what it is to be Latino, just like indigenous represents what it is to be Latino. Um, and that we're multiple so that that part of history and cultural understanding can proceed. And so that they know that we have been there forever. Meaning we have been there um, since before the formation of any country in the Americas, Africans were there. And so let's stop acting like we're a, a little isolated group. We're not, we're integral to the societies all throughout the Americas. Thank you so much for providing the, the history that's so important to understand, to be able to understand current issues. Define the term Afromundo and who can fall under your description? Um, Afromundo was a, a very conscious term because it was my way of asserting, hey, we are everywhere and we belong everywhere. Um, and, and I really mean that earlier, I was saying that sometimes to throw a wrench in a conversation, I, I, I say I'm Americana as belonging to the Americas. But beyond that, Afromundo, because guess what? European wealth was built on slavery. And also, you know, considering what slavery was, I have ancestry probably in every continent of the world. So yes, we belong everywhere. And it's, it's called Afromundo, but beyond that, our mission is not just to get this dialogue going, but to support other um, BIPOC communities and indigenous communities, because that is us also. We are not just one thing um, by nature of history. We are a little bit of everything. And if I were to summon, I, sometimes I say that I'm afraid to call down my ancestors because I don't know who's going to appear. <laughs> if it's going to be a conquistador or, or it could be anything. So that's why we called it Afromundo. Yeah. Um, as for me, I think that Afromundo is kind of a building block because this isn't just going to be like one thing. Like Afromundo is a part of a bigger picture. Um, and it's a bigger picture that needs to and is going to involve everyone because too often there's like little niche groups or like little cliques within um, a bigger community that should just be one community. And that separation kind of keeps us from making progress, I feel. Um, so Afromundo is part of the first like building block to create one unified community where we're gonna start like tackling issues, we're gonna start making change. Um, and this is just hopefully gonna be the first of many building blocks that we're just starting right now, you know? I love what both of you said, and it's the reality we live in a in an Afromundo, vivimos en un Afromundo, and it's the opposite of division. What La Conquista has tried to do. So I love the concept and thank you for defining and explaining more about it. Talk about the beauty of being Afromundo or biracial. 
or tri-racial or who knows what else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because, um, like I said, uh, everything runs through our blood. Uh, um, and it, it's, it's interesting because in the Dominican Republic, one of the things you asked earlier, what, as a Dominican, what motivated me to create, to, to found Afro Mundo, um, more than 80% of the population of the Dominican Republic is Afro-descended, but very few identify as such. Um, and as a matter of fact, that, that's, a, a, that's a systemic issue throughout the Americas. Um, and intentional also, for example, last year was the first year that Mexico included Afro-Mexicanos in the census. And so that's how we have been disappeared repeatedly because if you don't allow us to identify ourselves, we become disappeared. And about the Dominican Republic, yes, I have indigenous blood, yes. And actually it turns out on both sides of my family, originally I had thought it was just on my mom's side, but it turns out also on my dad's side. But I strategically, and, and this might be problematic, but I strategically choose to not identify as indigenous because in the Dominican Republic, it's a complex thing. Most people identify as Indio simply to claim that they're not black. And so for me, it's an important statement to say, yes, I am black. And so I am Afro, despite the acknowledgement that I am also indigenous, that yes, I have Spanish blood running through my veins and et cetera. But it's like I said, there's, um, a multiplicity to our histories and cultures. And too often we're, we're expected to choose and select and, and say we're one or the other, um, but our histories are a lot more complex than that. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't wanna say like coming to terms with, cause that implies something negative. Um, embracing like my heritage was a pretty long journey um, because you know, I'm Afro-Hispanic, I'm African on my mom's side, or African-American, and then I was Hispanic on my dad's side, but my dad doesn't look Hispanic. He's very much like a white passing man, you know, think like blonde hair, blue eyes, and I'm very like, I look very African-American, and so if you were to look at me with my parents, you'd think, oh yeah, if you saw me with my mom, you'd think, oh yeah, she's definitely African-American. If you see me with my dad, people would be like, oh, she's adopted because like he doesn't look, I don't share any features with him. Um, but when I was growing up, when I was very young, I was very excited about like being both like African and Hispanic. I used to know Spanish. I used to like engage in like, all of these like traditions that were on his side of the family. But then as I grew up and people started just acknowledging me as African-American or black and they couldn't like tell that I was really Hispanic, even though my last name used to be Garcia Bollinger, they'd just be like, oh yeah, everyone in New Mexico has like a last name like Garcia. So I started separating myself more and more from that identification because other people 
didn't believe that that was the box that I fit in. So subconsciously, like being like this, like elementary school kid, I was like, oh yeah, people don't identify me as that. So I'm not that. And I started just going more and more towards the African-American side of me. Um, until like eventually in middle school, like I didn't even identify as that hardly because that's not what people thought I was. So like, am I really that? Um, and recently in high school, I started embracing the fact that now I'm both and it doesn't matter what other people think. Um, I am both like sides. So Afro Mundo, you know, the message behind it of like, you don't have to be ashamed of like who you are. Like you don't have to conform to like one side or another. It's not about choosing sides. It's about like bringing those sides together and showing how much we have like in common, you know, cause we are one people. You don't have to be like one or the other. And I'm hoping that I'm starting to go down that route of embracing everything that makes me me. Thank you, Lauren, for saying that, because that is one of the things that um, one of the dialogues that need to be had, because look here in New Mexico, to be Latino or Hispanic, you do not have to speak Spanish. You can still identify as Hispanic or Latino, et cetera. However, when one is black, it's like that identification is too often denied. It, it, like you have to be able to prove that you speak Spanish to claim your heritage. And, um, and that is why it was really important for us to have so many prop programs in the series, not for it to be just one program with one conversation, but multiple programs during an entire week where everyone sees multiple representations of who we are and to understand that we are not a particular shade, um, don't even necessarily have to speak Spanish. Um, and I know I keep repeating the word multiple, but that that is what we are and, um, and that that yeah, within a, one family, we can have people of all shades, even in an immediate family. Um, and that that does not give anyone the right to deny us who we are, whether that's Black or Indigenous or Hispanic or Latino or however it is we choose to identify we're the sum of it all. We're the sum of a very complex history. And unfortunately, the tendency is for people to want to simplify history. And it's to say, let's embrace all of these aspects and have a conversation because we share so much communally. Thank you both so much for talking about the beauty. And, and Lauren, thank you for being vulnerable. It's really difficult sometimes to talk about your identity, how you identify yourself and your journey because of how society has like these expectations or like false narratives about us. So I just wanted to recognize and thank you for, for being vulnerable and sharing with us. Lauren, you designed the logo of Afromundo. Tell us more about this logo and what it represents. 
Oh, yeah. Um, the logo was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Um, not because it's like complex and like the way of like, oh, you know, look at the shading, look at the technique. Um, but the logo, we had a lot of ideas that we knew needed to be captured. So the logo for Aframundo is this outline of a skeleton of like the rib cage of a person. And out of that skeleton, there is a giant tree growing out. And the idea of this was, um, you know, the skeleton um, represents like kind of the caging in of like your inner culture. So in order to kind of combat that, we didn't, I didn't actually draw the bones of the skeleton. I drew the interior and kind of left the bones as blank space. Um, and you have like the green, the black and the red, which represent like colors of like, we wanted to represent the flags of as many different peoples as we could. And those were the colors that sort of showed up the most um, and also show up the most in like traditional art. And the tree represents the future that's kind of bursting forward and it makes up just as much room as the skeleton does, which is not only a personal journey, but also the history is what the skeleton represents. Um, but the entire logo isn't just that history. It's also the tree that's coming forward and blossoming and representing the present and the future, because that is just as important. It creates like equal parts, like future, present and past. And that's what Aframundo is about, really. There were a lot of pre kind of mock-ups of the logo that we went through. I think there were about five. This was the one we settled with. And at first when I met with Maritza, she was like, oh, I don't like the idea of like it being a cage, you know, of us being caged in. So that was something we had to work around by not having the rib cage, having what's inside the rib cage represented. And yeah, when it came out, we kind of like all sat back and we looked at it and we all kind of just started crying because it like represented everything that it was about. I remember being on a <laughs> Zoom call with Tia Maritz and we were just full sobbing while looking at this picture that this logo that we created because it connected with like both of us. And when we saw that, we were like, okay, yeah, this is the one. It's drawing this emotional response. It's like, this is meant to be. And it was a beautiful process because what was wonderful about working with Lauren is that we had multiple dialogues and it was really collaborative and beautiful. And the first time that we met, that we, we got together about the logo, she had different, um, different um, illustrations. And I kept going back to the rib cage. You, you, you know, like my eyes just kept being drawn to it. And I was like, okay, but ribcage, I don't want anything having to do with caging. <laughs> and so she removed the outline. And then I think originally it had um, flowers inside and it was just so riveting. But then I, I was like, Let, let's, I, I don't want it to suggest death. Let's think about flourishing and future. And, and it was just such a beautiful process. And that's what makes Lauren such a fantastic artist because she stayed true to her own vision 
but also respected the vision of what we were striving for. And that takes a very particular kind of sensibility to be that generous hearted about one's art. And it, and it was just a very beautiful process. And I brag about that logo that it was designed by a 17 year old, any chance I get because seriously, um, it's amazing. Yeah, and it was amazing how it came to us. I like really felt like I was being like a vessel for something bigger. And the conversations that we had between us on like what we wanted and what we needed, the like give and take of the creative process between us was, it felt like not quite otherworldly. I'm an artist. So like when I describe things, they're going to be kind of out there, but like it almost felt like a greater force was like kind of working through both of us as we were like doing this. And I think that's why when it, we were finished with it, when I finished it and showed it to Miss Maritza, she was, we were just so emotional about it because it felt so much bigger. I think the logo is so powerful and so beautiful and hearing about the process. You're an amazing artist, Lauren. You really are. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Please share more about the 2022 Afromundo Festival Shared Roots. What is the schedule and what activities can people expect? Absolutely. Um, so we decided to call it Shared Roots. I, it, it hints at our logo and it hints at our goals of to bring out the shared roots that we have culturally. And so the festival is from April 16th through the 23rd. And, it's, and, and what's wonderful is that it takes place in different locations and that was the intention also, so that multiple communities can attend. Um, it starts at the outpost and it starts with a performance by Racine Creole and Kumba Carey. And that was also a choice for us because it was really important for us to start in Quisqueya, shared roots, two, um, two nations that share an island that has had difficult histories. Um, and it was important to also include Haiti, which is too often left out of the Latino community and you know French is a Latin language also so if we're going to say Latino they belong there with us and and just to um share solidarity between Haiti and the Dominican Republic despite fraught histories and to say we are one people and we're we're not going to let history divide us so um it starts there with that beautiful concert um then it goes to a literary event at the, oh, and that first one is at the Outpost. The next one is at National Hispanic Cultural Center. Mayra Santos Febres is a world-renowned Afro-Puerto Rican author who is um, coming to participate with, um, with us. Uh, and we're really lucky to have her, not just, um, with Afromundo, but UNM is so crazy excited that she's going to be here because it's a privilege for her to be here. Um, and she's going to be reading and 
She's going to be accompanied by another Puerto Rican local author, Eloterio Santiago Diaz, because it's not just about bringing world-renowned authors, but also um, inviting people to know about local authors that they might not necessarily have known about. And Eloterio Santiago Diaz is this amazing poet. And then little old me participating in that from you know the Dominican Republic. So it's Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and, the, and that literary presentation. The next um, presentation is a visual arts presentation by this amazing visual artist, Jose Arturo Ballester Panelli, AKA Balleste. Uh, and um, then we're having a film festival and, and just to not take up a lot of time, Angelica uh, is an Afro-Puerto Rican film that brings issues of race, intimate issues of race within a family to the forefront. Jamaica y Tamarindo about Afro-Mexicanos. Um, there is Gurumbe that talks about the African roots of flamenco and all the events are listed on our website, afromundo.org. Um, there, if you go to the website, you will see who we are, details of the festival, what else we do, why we do it, who our collaborators are, um, but all the details for the festival, times, locations, who's coming will be there. And um, one other, event that I want to talk about is the Afro-Culinary event, which we titled Afro-Latinx Culinary Memory, Power, Resistance, and Survival, because food, it was a form of resistance for slaves, um, that they survived despite the meager rations that they were given, the innovation of dishes that they created, and and that's where you see a lot of our shared history, even in countries that say they don't have, you know, an African population or black or Afro population, you see our influence in the dishes as well as in the culture, but yes. And so what's wonderful about this event is that it's a culinary event, but it's also a storytelling event because it allows each of the chefs to say why they chose that dish and what the story is of that dish and that, story might be historical or cultural or personal. So it's a really beautiful event. And then a Fandango, which I decided it would be important to show the different Afro stepping traditions um, across the Americas, meaning dances that seem unrelated to present them on a stage at the same time so that people see how closely related they are. And um, the last event is Xiomara Fortuna, Queen of Fusion, um, La Reina de Fusion. She is amazing. We are so lucky to have her. Last year, Rolling Stones Magazine selected one of her 13 albums because she's prolific as number nine of the top 35 Spanish language albums. Um, and she's coming, not because we can afford her, but because she loves our mission. So it's been community that has helped 
all of these programs come together. Um, but also I have to give kudos uh, because these programs wouldn't have been possible if not for seed money that was granted by the Albuquerque uh, City Council. Based on that uh, seed money, we thought, okay, well, we wanna turn this into bigger um, humanities, New Mexico Humanities Council that gets funding from the National Endowment for the Humanities, um, the City of Albuquerque, uh, Department of Arts and Culture of Equity and Inclusion, the, the um, uh, Bernalillo County. And I mentioned that because um, that was another thing that was humbling that all these entities realized the importance of this dialogue that needed to be had and needed to be added to the dialogues that happened in New Mexico about culture and race and history and and that we were supported. We took, you know, the totality of these funds and are presenting a program that multiplies those funds by like four or five times, not financially, but in terms of of what we achieved with that little bit of funding. It, it, it's amazing that we're able to present the quality of programs and the entire series is open to the general public. Come enjoy, come share with us. That sounds like an amazing schedule and an amazing festival. Where can people find more information about Afromundo and the upcoming festival Shared Roots? afromundo.org. Uh, the links will be on our website and an announcement of those programs and registration sites will also be made on Afromundo Organization. That's our name on Facebook and Instagram. We will be live streaming um, all but the very first event at the Outpost, but that all of the events will be available for viewing afterwards on our YouTube channel. And there's a link on our website because we wanted to make sure that if people didn't get in, that they could still see the wonderful programs. So yes, it really is available to the general public. Is there anything else that you would like to add Come and join us. Come have a dialogue. Come create community with us. Come share our cultures and foods and music and films, which are also your music and your food and your cultures, whether you're, you know, native or consider yourself Latino or African-American or Afro, whatever. I bet you, you will recognize yourself in these programs. Come join us. Yeah. I think that everyone should be able to like recognize themselves in Afromundo because there isn't a single part of the globe, I think, that we haven't touched. Like you can go to any part of the world, anywhere, and we will have been there. Like, or we will have where they are now. I don't think that there's a single part on earth that doesn't have, you know, African population or like a Hispanic population. We're everywhere, even if they don't count us on like, you know, Senate forms, you are welcome because 
we're all in this together and we are global, basically. And one thing I want to add to that is also that, you know, our shared roots with indigenous populations um, that from the get-go, um, like whether it's the Dominican Republic or throughout the Americas, in terms of the shared histories between indigenous and African populations, because it wasn't just African populations that were enslaved. And so there was a solidarity from the get-go. I mean, in the Dominican Republic, Cimarron communities up in the mountains consisted of indigenous and African slaves. And so that that is how complex our histories are. Um, and yeah, in the Caribbean, indigenous populations like Tainos, et cetera, were thought to have disappeared. Um, and despite genocide, the bloodstreams and the cultures remained. Um, sorry if I get emotional, but um, yes, that the bloodlines remained, that they weren't able to disappear entire populations entirely. And that we persevere is my last message, that we persevere. I'm so beyond grateful for today, Maritza, and thank you for, for closing with that beautiful statement about resilience and in this Afro mundo. So thank you, Maritza and Lauren, for speaking with Generation Justice. It has been an honor to have you here, but also for putting together this amazing festival. Um, it sounds so fun, but I know it had to be a lot of work to do to sound this fun. So thank you so much. And Lauren, you're an amazing artist and you are so inspiring. I'm so excited I got to talk with you on this interview. Thank you so much, Barbara, for having us and for Generation Justice allowing us this much time to share with the community. And um, yes, we're very grateful. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Barbara Ramirez. Thank you, Marisa and Lauren, for sharing your identity stories with us. It's important to talk about the struggles and misconceptions Afrogente face every day. It's truly, truly amazing to learn from both of you. Now we bring you the song Bruja by the great Xiomara Fortuna. We're still in the midst of a deadly and disabling global pandemic. We need to work together to protect each other. So we bring you our weekly segment, Vaccine Equity. 
That's right. According to the New Mexico Department of Health, children five years and older are eligible to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Getting your child vaccinated will protect them and others around them. Los niños de cinco años en adelante ya pueden ser vacunados contra el COVID-19 según el Departamento de Salud de Nuevo México. But remember, booster shots are only available to New Mexico residents 12 years and older. La vacuna de refuerzo contra el COVID-19 solo está disponible para los residentes de Nuevo México mayores de 12 años. The Food and Drug Administration has authorized a fourth Pfizer and Moderna dose for people aged 50 and older. The CDC also recommends the shots to be administered. La Administración de Alimentos y Medicamentos y el CDC recomiendan una cuarta dosis de Pfizer y Moderna para personas mayores de 50 años. So, if you haven't gotten vaccinated or if you need to get your booster shot, you can visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Again, that's cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Para registrarse y recibir su vacuna de refuerzo, visite cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. De nuevo, la página web es cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. According to the CDC, masks can help protect you and others from COVID-19. To learn more about different types of masks and how to get the best fit for you, visit cdc.gov. Again, that's cdc.gov. Don't forget to get your COVID-19 vaccines, get boosted, mask up, and follow safety protocols to help stop the deadly global pandemic. We have an important announcement for you this evening. The Bureau of Land Management is proposing a withdrawal of 351,480 acres of public land from future mineral leasing within approximately 10 miles of the Chaco Culture National Historical Park. The Chaco Culture National Historical Park preserves one of the most important pre-Columbian cultural and historical areas in the United States. It has a sweeping collection of ancient ruins. The Bureau of Land Management has initiated a public comment period with comments due by May 6th. If you would like to submit a comment to protect Greater Chaco, you can visit blm.gov or email blm underscore nm underscore fm underscore ccnhp underscore area underscore withdrawal underscore comments at blm.gov. That's it for our community calendar. Now, here's the song La Raza by El Individuo, an amazing rapper from La Habana, Cuba, who combines Cuban hip-hop with dancehall and reggae to create his own style. Orgullo de mi raza afrodescendiente, que soy afroman, afro, afrodescendiente, afroman, afro, afrodescendiente. Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza. Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente. Soy afroman, afroman, afrodescendiente. Afroman, afro, afrodescendiente. Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza. Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente. We hope you enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guests, Loida Marisa Perez and Lauren Mills Pohanen from Afro Mundo. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael. 
and myself, Barbara Ramirez, with production assistance from my co-host, Angel Baker Guillén. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, NMDOH Better Together, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Armo Cocoa by Vicky Style, Favica y Eugenia, a group of Afro-Uruguayan women who use their music to fight against oppression. I am Angel Baker Guillén. And I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, Nuevo México.